Welcome back, everybody. We're down at Schweitzer's Gourmet Meats. You're with the Sons of Thunder, Brothers in Blood. Brothers in the Priesthood. And welcome back, because we are now heading in to Straight Talk with the Brothers. If you know what I'm saying, we're going to give it to you straight. This is the megaphone of the Holy Spirit, bringing you the good news, not the... Fake news <laughs> down here at Schweitzer's Schweitzer's Gourmet Meats. We're gonna be tasting a little bit later, but for right now, which is what I've been waiting for. I know I'm hungry, and uh, we're looking at these delicious steaks, and we're hoping to maybe try some of those or some sausages steak. or something a little bit later. Anyway, this segment of Straight Talk, I was wrong. For those of you listening, I uh, I said that we were going to be addressing the Synod next show. We're going to be addressing it as it happens, is what I meant to say. But we're going to be talking a little bit about it right now, a.k.a. meaning uh, there is a lot of conversation out there but we, uh, in regards to this Synod. But we want you to call in, and you don't need to call in with questions <clears throat> You know, just about the Synod. You can call in with any questions that you want. We are happy and ready, for that matter, to talk about pretty much anything you want to talk about. So pick up that phone, one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. That's one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Give us a call. We we'll get you live on the air uh, here this morning, or message us on Facebook. And, uh, you know, it, it, why don't you text out uh, social media out that the Sons of Thunder are on the air right now, and we are here to answer your questions, whatever they might be. But as a topic for straight talk, we want to talk a little bit about the Amazon Synod. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of controversy going on around it. For those of you that don't know <clears throat> what the Amazon Synod is, it's they're they're pushing because the Amazon is such a <clears throat> you know spread out super you know untouched place. I actually met with these two missionaries a couple uh, weeks ago for supper. They were up from Arizona, and they kind of felt called to this uh, you know missionary sort of <clears throat> schooling system, uh, and they use uh, catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which is the Montessori based educate religious education. And Fernando, he told he and a couple of his family members. This guy's like sixty-five. They took a boat down the Amazon and stopped at random places. And he said it is so remote. <clears throat> like they didn't know what New York City was. They didn't know who Taylor Swift was. They didn't know. Get this what Fortnite was for any of you that don't know that is like the game that is sweeping the nation right now which <laughs> i'm not is sure so, i even know what it is so <laughs> dumb anyway i learned that from teaching these kids <clears throat> um but anyway so the they, they're saying because it's so remote and a priest you know fernando told me he's like a priest gets there once every you know month to celebrate mass so that that we should the the amazon saying is mean to say should we have married clergy uh so that we can have more people in these remote places. Well, and the fact of the matter is, if 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 we're honest about it, the hot button issue, especially for those of us uh, in America who who are accustomed to the celibate state of priests, who love our priestly celibacy and love priests being celibate, this is uh, what most people are calling Pat Pandora's box. So, if you look into uh, the document that the Vatican released. Part 3 of Chapter 4 offers a suggestion 
for the synod to discuss married priests uh, among what they call proven men. Okay, so these the the, the suggestion would be that 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 we find older, even mar- married men. Uh, that that are a proven character that would then be ordained to help cover the shortage. So the church in this document says, affirming that celibacy is a gift for the church, it is requested that for the most remote areas of the region, obviously referring to the Amazon, the possibility to be studied for priestly ordination of elderly men, preferably indigenous ones, respected and accepted by their community, even if they already have an established and stable family in order to ensure the availability of the sacraments that accompany and sustain the Christian life. So, we would begin in the Roman Rite uh, ordaining men of proven character who are older with an established family, with a wife, uh, and that's what they're going to be discussing. And the reason why they're discussing this is because in the Amazon, I could be off on this, but in the Amazon there is one priest to something like, 10,000 Catholics. Yeah. And, and so, even more important is the mileage between all of these, you know, remote villages. Exactly, exactly. So, now, on the other end of it, so the, the, the practicality of, of why they would want to do this, or at least discuss it, is, is obvious. The ideological principle under the foundation of this discussion is what is really at issue. And so one has to ask themselves the question... By ordaining married men and having married clergy, to, you know, is that going to solve the problem? Really, is 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 the major question. Well, and I, I, you know, I think too, and this is where, you know, for those of you listening, uh, there there are married priests, uh, but it's it's something that needs a dispensation from Rome. It's usually you know an Anglican or a Protestant minister becoming Catholic, and they're already married and they want to continue to minister. It is no way uh, the ordinary. It's definitely the extraordinary. That reminds me of Father John Allen, uh, who is actually an, I believe he was an Anglican priest. He had a conversion. He came over. He was already married, uh, and then was ordained into the church. So he is a, a, a Roman Catholic priest of the family. And if you've never read any of his stuff he's uh he's a he's a great source of information uh you know to this 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 whole topic but he says that the debate is not over whether the catholic church can have married priests it already does and plenty of them the debate is whether or not we go in this direction of just like a whole sense of married clergy now if you think of the eastern churches in communion with rome uh, they, they, they have and have had for, for millennia uh, married, married priests as well. That he says, though, Alan says that this, the discussion will be very different from the debate over married priests in the U.S. or Western Europe because it's basically not <coughs> ideological. So the whole point is, is that he's a married priest, we have married priests, but, but this is moving uh, in, in, in a direction that's quite interesting in the sense that, that you know, ideologically speaking, what we're what we're saying is 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 this direction going to solve the problem of the priestly shortage that we're experiencing in in many cases throughout the entire world? Exactly. Say so the call in number again if you guys have anything you want to talk to us about is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two or message us on Facebook. You know, getting back to uh, for those of you maybe just tuned in, we're talking about the Amazon Synod and uh, which is debating right now the possibility of married clergy down in the Amazon because of the rem- remote 
uh, access to sacraments. There's, you know, it's, it can get pretty heated on both sides. You know, <clears throat> Bishop Sticka from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, it was, you know, a, a huge proponent and supporter of the synod. He said, most likely the ones who may complain are folks who can easily go to Mass. After sparking a range of replies, he added, For those who have attacked my position of ordaining married elders in the Amazon, you live in the United States where Mass is readily available. You live in comfort, and in many places people are begging for the sacraments, and in other places they are dying because of their desire. Your comfort makes you blind to those who are not so blessed. It is shameful. You are spoiled. You have an ignorance of the missionary world. So obviously this guy is uh, you know, a, pro- a huge proponent of it, so saying we the reason we would be against it is because we live in comfort i don't know if that's the reason why a lot of people would be against it i think a lot of people are against it because it's a slippery slope you know and and people come to me and they say you know do you don't you think there should be married clergy and i said no i said what do you like don't you want a wife i'm like well sure it would have been nice to have a wife but i didn't get into this thinking (laughs) man i bet in 10 years i'm gonna get to have a wife right can't can't wait till the church changes their teaching on that now here's the thing now we got we got uh elizabeth or is excuse me isabella bennett uh that that wrote in uh that what, what did she say here? This still leaves, married clergy still leaves an awful lot for God is the comments uh, that, that, that people are basically exemplifying right now. So the, the quote that she's referencing is it's not about, it's about being, this is in reference to Mary Priest, it's about being able to love, have children, also to love uh, these children and raise them. This still leaves an awful lot for God. Quote, she responds, Isabella Bennett, by saying, this still leaves an awful lot for God, question mark. No, it doesn't. It leaves him the leftovers. Child rearing is an enormous task and a full-time responsibility. It robs you of sleep and drains you of energy, patience, and time to the point of utter exhaustion. Plus, we're naturally wired as married people to put our spouses first as parents, uh, as well as our children as parents, if we're doing those jobs right, there's precious little of us left, which is to undertake the, the, the colossal spiritual burden of priestly responsibilities. And I, I couldn't agree more. I want to add to Il- Isabella's comments, though, because what a lot of people are missing, I think, when we talk about vocation is that what God demands, which is, I, I think, actually contrary uh, certainly to our fallen nature, obviously through baptism and confirmation we receive graces that redeem this. But what God wants in each and every one of our lives uh, is, a, is a total and absolute sacrifice of love. That's, that is what, everyone, that is what we are missing right now in the cultures of the world. It's not about self-service, it's about, as John Paul II would say, other giftedness and and what is so radically contrary to the the sinful fallen side of us of us is the antithesis meaning the complete opposite of this radical gift of self now the lord has made this an unbelievably uh, a, a, i think appealing sort of you know vocation whether it be celibate priesthood or married life so we fall in love we see the good that's before us and we want to pursue it and so once we get into the thing, that's when we realize the, the, the megaton self-gift that it's going to be. But even that is something that we want to give. So 
what, what we have in married life is a total, absolute self-sacrifice. So if you came to a married man or a married woman and said, you know, obviously it's fine from the beginning, but you get 10, 15, 20 years into it, and you're like, no, this is the only person that you're going to exclusively love and physically be with for the rest of your life. And out of that total self-sacrifice uh, is, is, is going to come the, the incarnation of your love, which is children, which are going to demand even more of you. And so at the end of the day, your life is not your own. And as a matter of fact, your life is totally sacrificed for, for love of, love of uh, your spouse and love of kids. That's the exact same situation in celibacy. The Lord is coming and saying that he demands an absolute and total gift of that person's life faithfully, fruitfully, until death of the priest. Why? so that his children in the church can have life and have it to the fullest. And in either case, it's an exclusive, total self-surrender of love. And that's why the celibate state is as beautiful as it is. We're married, literally, to the church. For those of you that are just joining us, we're talking about the Amazon Synod, uh, which is a synod held in order to figure out if they should allow married clergy in the Amazon to help with the remote access to the sacrament. Uh, this is our straight talk segment that we, uh, the, the stuff we're talking about. If you have any questions or anything you want to talk about on this segment, call, please call us at 877-795-0122 or message us on Facebook. Again, 877-795-0122. We, we have an anonymous uh, comment coming in right now. Wait, 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 before you talk about that, I want to get back to the, just one point. Uh, I went to a funeral one time. We were saying the total gift of self to either one. One or the other vocations. I went to a funeral one time of a Lutheran pastor who died at about 60. And at the end of the funeral, he got, his son got up and looked out at the congregation and said, I despise all of you. And everybody was just shocked. Like you could, you could hear like, you know, like, and, uh, and he said, because, he said, because of you, I never had a father. He cared so much about you that he didn't have enough to care about us. And that's a Lutheran pastor. They don't, I mean, they don't even have the sacraments. So, I mean, again, you know, agreeing with your point, Father Justin, that it's, it's, it's a, you give yourself to one thing. One thing, and, and that's what we call a total gift of self. You cannot have a divided heart. Well, and at the end of the day, too, I mean, that's exactly what the human heart is looking for. And so I think what, I mean, at least in my spirit, experience as a celibate priest, that the people... People in general are looking to be loved, and when they see uh, a man, or for that matter, a consecrated woman, living that and have you know given their life freely and totally in love for them, and the availability that's there, you know that that in fact these are the people that we care about. I mean, people. There's a, so many people in this world that just simply don't have anybody that you know cares about them at all. When they have an availability of an exclusive person that they're able to go to that is the representative of Christ in their life, and they see that self-gift, they see hopefully the Lord's love in that gift shining through for them. Uh, I think that's one of the most sacred places in the world. We have an anonymous uh, person right now that says, uh, as an always single growing elderly woman who resented celibacy and always wished she could be married, I realize now the opportunity I squandered, not celebrating my singleness and the opportunity uh, to serve. When it comes to the second best, uh, 
single parenting, um, which really serves no one well, right? The loneliness we feel is meant to be turned into energy for serving others. It gives us freedom to give others our, our full and undivided attention uh, when it is called for. And I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I uh, can say certainly as a celibate priest that uh, you know, that energy is turned into otherness. And I, I would say, Father Josh, that the, 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 the glory of our life, the joy that we uh, experience day in, day in and day out is not only bringing the sacraments to people, but, but walking with so many on that journey. It's not, as a matter of, it's not like we're alone. At the end of the day, we probably you know, might even need a little bit more you know, quiet and alone time, but uh, our, if, if you're a man is living his priesthood, it is, it is a full uh, and, and really amazing life of high adventure. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I, th- I think what you kind of what it kind of comes down to is, again, what you were saying before. It's it's the <clears throat> kind of the vocation to be fulfilled. I mean, like I don't know if you know the uh, Jean Vanier. He was uh, he's a French man who's a, a single person, and he started a community called La Arche, which means the Ark. And uh, basically, what he did is <clears throat> he was with a bunch of. Uh, handicapped kids and he was working with them basically started this thing it started out really small and it got bigger and bigger and uh, he eventually just said I got to give my life completely to this because it's so demanding and and I mean love is demanding let's be honest right it's if you're if you're living it right it should cause you to lay down your life again we're straight talk with the brothers right now uh, and we would like you to call in if you have any questions or you can message us on Facebook that number is 877-795-0122 also I'd like to put out too you know we read Bishop Sticka and his kind of shaming people into saying they don't know anything about uh, the Amazon and the remoteness and the lack of sacraments. But, I mean, that is true, to be, uh, to be fair. <laughs> it is true. Uh, again, this missionary couple that I talked about earlier, they said that they would have seminarians would actually go out on mission, like, every month. And so when the priest wasn't there, they would cover, they'd do a communion service, they'd, uh, you know, all types of stuff. And so it's not like they're completely without they, they, they do have some, but it is a problem. The question is, is whether or not, and I, I, I'm not making any judgment on this, but whoever is driving this, uh, let's, just, let's just say this, 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 this direction, why are they driving this direction? I mean, and I, it's a question that I have on a lot of issues that are being debated in the church right now. I and mean, we got some megaton, uh, you know, serious challenges in front of us that I think, frankly, need to take our attention a little bit faster than whether or not we should be have married clergy or plastic in the ocean or some of this stuff we're talking about. How about, like, getting people back to Mass, right? <laughs> if we can get people back to Mass and we can have, you know, or back to confession, maybe there's a whole movement that happens in the world, you know, in which people start finding their vocation. Well, and it's just simple catechesis. You know, like I, you know, I said, they don't know what New York is. They don't know what any... They, they also don't know really who Jesus is. Right. And so so when, you, when you teach about Jesus, like as church teaching, people say, oh, I get it. I right, get the right. celibate priesthood. I mean, I, right. okay. Like, like Jesus was celibate, right? <laughs> you know, so like this Saint is... St. Paul. It was <laughs> celibate, you know, and the two millennia of saints and holy priests that have come before us who have also been celibate. The whole point is, is that <clears throat> I think that the angle that we're taking right now maybe isn't the best direction. And this is... I'm just going to be straight up and down because I know we've got... 
thousands of people listening right now, but one thing that is extraordinarily troubling to me is that in, in, in the documents that are being released uh, by the church right now, across the boards, or even let's just say the discussions that are happening, I am not hearing the word Jesus. I am hearing uh, environment. Social I, justice. I, I am hearing all of these ideological platforms, and yet the whole point is, is that rarely do you hear the name of the Lord. Uh, rarely are we talking about the sacraments. Rarely are we talking about, I mean, the amount of stuff that's already been written. I know Father Jaden Nelson, uh, God love him, he's on retreat right now, but he is uh, the president of Bishop Ryan up in Minot. He lives with me. And the amount of discussions that we have had in which we're like, you know what, John Paul II, the great, the great saint, uh, as well as Benedict XVI, His Holiness over in Rome right now, Pope Emeritus, have given us enough material, even if we go back to Vatican II, to where we don't really need to be generating anything more. I mean, we have the foundation of what we need and what we should be talking about in the area of evangelization and the renewal. You know, whatever happened to the new evangelization back then? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think that's where'd over. That, where'd right? that go? Yeah, and so rather than addressing all of this in what personally I feel is a worldly sediment, why don't we go back and study what these two unbelievable men have given us, uh, you know, so that we, that we, can, we, we can go deeper with the Lord. And, I mean, you're seeing it in the Diocese of Bismarck, the holier priests become, surprise everybody, the more vocations you get. And the more you can, again, catechesis. It's all about teaching. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story, but before I do that, I want to get that number out again, 877-795-0122. Feel free to call in or message us on Facebook. But I don't remember who it was, but it was a saint. I think it may have been St. Bonaventure, who's a doctor of the church. He said, if you could have 20 years of receiving the Eucharist and no catechesis, or 20 years of incredible catechesis and preaching, but no mass, what would be better? And I, I bet all of you are saying having the Eucharist for that. He said the catechesis and the preaching. Because if people don't know what they're receiving... It, the, the effect is diminished so much. But if you, have, if you catechize the heck out of people and they know it, then when it's presented to them, they want it. Absolutely. We got uh, Brian Yulman uh, that writes in, This whole discussion seems to treat the priesthood as rather a job rather than the lifestyle that it is. Being a husband is not some part-time gig. It's a full-time, 24-7 responsibility. Employment is part of that time. Uh, and employment comes and goes. Marriage stays firm, should always. Being a priest demands a total commitment. Skip the whining that is currently not universally so at the time. Uh, a priest is wholly a priest and always a priest trying to add on marriage, detracts from the priestly mission, and devalues the commitment required of marriage. The husband should be wholly focused on his bride and family. Love it that he refers to his wife as his bride. You cannot fix a corrupted priesthood with an addition of a devalued marriage. Now add on the American sexualized culture and it becomes impossible to take, uh, to, for these two to, to coincide with each other. We can trust our teachers, our politicians, our business overs to refrain from inappropriate relations. So from whence shall pure marriage commitments come from? And obviously that's a massive comment, and uh, I couldn't agree more uh, with, with what he's saying. Also, too, we just had a listener 
not on the phone, and this is a little off topic, but we want to answer any questions you have. Again, 877-795-0122. Question is, in the first reading today, it talks about the story of Moses and when he killed an Egyptian. He thought no one was around, but later we found out the two Hebrews who were fighting knew about Moses and what he did. Is there a lesson to be learned here? I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, when you don't think anybody's watching, somebody's watching. <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. I think one of the major, and this has been a theme in my own spiritual prayer here as we have uh, walked through the book of Genesis a couple of weeks ago and then into uh, you know the whole Exodus story now, but it is absolutely mind-blowing. If you really read what's going on in the Old Testament, that the salvation, the, you know, the Christ, Jesus, who came from the Jewish nation, uh, and subsequently now living in this, this, this time that we're living in, but if you look at the foundation of who, I should say, God built that nation upon, and the craziness of the sin in their life during that time. I mean, Moses was a murderer. David was a murderer. And, uh, and, and frankly, you know, more or less, it says he took Bathsheba, which, you know, in this time of Me Too, I don't think it was consensual. Uh, <laughs> and then, then, then you go back to Abraham. And, I mean, you've got, like, you know, Ishmael that came from, you know, his union with his slave girl. And so, he told, remember when he's like, told the Egyptians, she's not my wife? Right. Well, that was his like, wife. Sarah <laughs> sold his wife into <laughs> Egypt. God like didn't sexual slavery. Yeah, but, it's a, but Ishmael comes up. He's 86 years old when he takes his slave girl and, and, you know, and procreates with her. And then you've got, you know, the whole thing going on with, with, with Esau and Jacob, the stealing of the blessing. You've got Moses that's killing the... I mean, these people who we... If I say to you Moses, or I say to you Abraham, or Jacob, who you know, has changed his name, has changed Israel, you don't think about sin. You think about like, oh, these are the fathers of the Jewish race. You know, the the, the great, the you know, the great church or not church Patriarch, fathers, but patriarchs. patriarchs. Thank you. That's where I'm looking for that. They came. They came before us. You know, you don't think about the sheer dysfunction of what's going on back then. And so, you know, to. To address uh, the question, what is the lesson? The lesson is this, and we should all take hope from this. God brings the most beautiful things out of the most ugly things in humanity. And so most of the time when we're sitting there in prayer, you know, or we're or you're sitting there in the confession line especially, and we're thinking about, you know, the bad stuff that we've done or the weaknesses that we have or the failings that we've encountered – the Lord does not see those things the same way that you see them, everyone. You don't need to be depressed about it. You don't need to you know, feel like you're less than what you are. You just need to trust in divine mercy because it's not our job to get, our, to get us to heaven. That is exclusively Jesus' entire mission, and fortunately, he's God and is able to do that. I mean, the worst thing that has ever happened in human history is what? The crucifixion, torture, mockery, and death of the Son of God. And if we approach that particular situation the way that we approach our lives, you would think that God the Father would have destroyed the entire universe in a moment after he saw the rejection and, and the crucifixion of his Son. And yet, the greatest evil that has ever been committed, the greatest tragedy, the greatest failing, the, 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 whatever you want to call it, in that moment is the most 
powerful God is on earth at that particular time. And our entire salvation comes out of the greatest tragedy that seemingly is happening. And so in, in all of our lives, we want to bring those sins, those weaknesses, those failings to Christ so that he can turn what is, you know, unfortunate about us into something that's quite beautiful. Well, again, I mean, the two things you, I would like to talk about in regards to that, um, the raising of Lazarus, right, that when he comes before him and, and Mary's like, or Martha's like, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And at that moment, it's like Martha, one of his closest friends, <clears throat> is literally saying, You've met your match. Like you, you could have, you could have done something when he was alive. But now that he's dead, you can't do anything. And and what goes on there, right, is you have Martha wanted Jesus to do a little miracle of healing. Now nah, it's probably a big miracle of healing because <laughs> Lazarus died. Sorry, but 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 what Jesus wanted to do is one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament. And in order to do that, he had to allow something bad to happen. And out of that, the amazing glory of the miracle of the raising of Lazarus comes. So there is no situation that is beyond God. He, he never meets his match. If that's going on in your heart, you've got to take that to confession. You've got to take that to prayer because God is beyond all of these things. And that's why in the, in the, in the New Testament it says, you know, the, the wisdom of God is folly in, uh, in the eyes of man. There is something so great given to us. <clears throat> so uh, we have a caller. I hope that answers your, your question. <laughs> we have a caller. Uh, would like the brothers contact the Byzantine Seminary and get their take on this. Huh. That's, that's a really... That's, yeah. Is that's, that caller on the line or is that... Okay, okay. great. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Hello. Hello. Can you hear hey, me? How's, yeah, how's it going? What, can you okay, explain yeah. your, yeah, your uh, it's, statement? Uh, it's, in, it's, in, it's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, they... Uh, their their deal is it's the Eastern Rite, and they're right. uh, these are these are American guys. But the rule is with this in, in the Eastern Rite, you have to have a marriage. You have to be married before you enter the seminary. Yep, that's correct. You can't you can't decide after the fact. So in in a, in a sense, it's kind of like becoming a deacon in the Roman Rite. You know, your yep. your wife and you kind of are in the program together, and they really stress what you're getting into. So everybody knows what's going on, and it's not suddenly. Oh, I can't do this. This is crazy. I also think but too that after they're like after they're married, if they are after they're ordained, if their wife would pass away, they can't get remarried either. Okay, but so you know about? Do you know about this seminary in Pittsburgh? I don't know about that seminary. I know but, about the business. I mean, teams. right? We're, we're we're in 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 our own theological formation. The the the, the topic of the other rites of the church certainly is addressed. Uh, and but, certain is, these are, but, but Father, these are normal. These are normal American kind of guys that are doing this, you know. And this is a, this is an Eastern Rite Seminary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Right. I, would, I would also say they, this to your point. You, I, I think you have a good point. But uh, you know, the, the Byzantine is the church is not like flourishing right now with vocations, right? And so I don't. I think you have a valid point because it's always been part of the Eastern Rite. Um, but I don't know if that's the answer to fix the problem of vocations and getting the, the catechesis and, and the word out. And I have a scripture for you, and you'll, you'll, you'll remember where it comes from. I can't remember now, but it's that uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. Just like yeah. you can be a celibate, some people can be married and be priests too. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Yeah, no, look, I, I'm not actually disagreeing with you. I had a 
Well, I, I had, uh, when I was in seminary at the Josephine Pontifical College, we had an Anglican man who had converted over that that was married uh, and eventually went on to be ordained. So I don't think, I, I've never really had a problem with the church's approach to it. I, uh, I, I do, sir, honestly think, though, that there is an, somewhat of a, a little bit of a threat in it, to the vocation of celibacy that, that presently exists in the church. And I, I really do think that's a gift to the church. Now, I think a lot of the times people are going to say, well, should it be an optional celibacy? And I, I'll, I'll just say this, because I've had this debate on numerous occasions with my uncle, uh, who is a former professor at Notre Dame and a very, very brilliant uh, individual and, and a wonderful man. But the real thing, and John, Father John Allen says this, is that the, the crux of the issue is not ideological. The crux of the issue is financial, right? So if all of a sudden I've got a wife and kids... My salary goes from $25,000 a year to about $125,000 a year because now I need to provide for those children in that wife. And when you approach a Catholic faithful with that, and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, imagine having to, to pay for this. All of a sudden, the ideological question is sort of off the table. Awesome. Well, that wraps up well, our what? segment. Thank you. Thank you for all your, your all calls, right, your messages. Yep, yeah, appreciate have a good one. it. Uh, Reminder that this segment is on at 9.30 Central Time every Monday through Friday. And up next, we'll hear about a beautiful faith journey of Nate and Becca Swenson during our inspired segment. We'll catch you on the backside of the break. We are the Sons of Thunder!